Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. All right, is there a need? Is there a need for church planting here in our United States of America? Let me give you uh, the top six least church states, all right? Now, when we talk about these states, we're talking about uh, states that uh, do not have um, as many independent Baptist churches uh, to deal with the need of that population. For instance, uh, the sixth neediest is Minnesota. There is one independent fundamental Baptist church for every 67,000 people. Uh, that is a needy place if you've ever been to Minnesota. Uh, it's a pretty liberal, godless area, and there are more missionaries that are needed uh, in that state uh, to bring the gospel to those dear people. Nevada's number five, and of course we understand Nevada's a needy state. They need the Lord. Uh, 70,000, one church for every 70,000. Maryland is the next one. That's right outside Washington, D.C. That's one church for every 72,000 people. And then the next one, Massachusetts, you know, these all have something in common. Uh, They're all churches that are uh, really, uh, uh, let's just say they're, they're, they're liberal politically, they're godless morally, and the reason is we don't have enough churches that are proclaiming the truth of the word of God. So one church every 76,000. New York is next on the list. That's one for every 84,000 people. And New York, I have some good friends that are in New York, and God's using them in a wonderful way. And I thank God for those churches that are being established. And yet the, the neediest state, In our United States is here in California. Look at this. One church for every 134,000 individuals. We have a tremendous job to do right here in our Jerusalem. And uh, God is desiring for us to be used in this community. And then going beyond our Jerusalem is our own Judea. We just have to look to the south and look to the north and the east and the west in the greater Los Angeles area. What a tremendous need. You just, you just get, I, I, I've never been on the 110 coming on down, and I've never really driven right through the heart of Los Angeles. And uh, it, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm just in my mind thinking, who's here? Who's preaching the gospel here? Uh, this community, does it have a good church? Does this community have a good church? I know it seems like in America we should have churches absolutely everywhere, but there is a tremendous dearth of gospel-preaching churches. And our heart needs to be that uh, as a church family, we want to be involved in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. You know, the little word both there in Acts 1-8 is an important word. That word means simultaneously. Uh, I I need to be involved in the uttermost ministry, but I have to be involved in Jerusalem. That's why you have the breakfast tomorrow. And that's why you have the opportunity to go out tomorrow, because it's your Jerusalem. This is where God says it begins. Uh, There's a directional flow, isn't there? It's right where we are right now, and then we're to go outward. And God is desiring to empower us by his spirit to do the work that we need to do. Uh, there's a, oh, 
Went back a few slides there, it looks like, all right? Uh, Only 1,500 churches are started in America each year. This is from Church uh, Still Works by uh, Dr. Paul Chappell. And uh, that seems like a lot of churches until you see the next slide. Uh, Every year, 4,000 churches in America close their doors. So you got 1,500 starting, but you've got 4,000 that are closing. That tells me we're going backwards and not forward when it comes to seeing churches established. George Barna had this to say, with its 195 million unchurched people, America has become the new mission field. Now, I believe that we need missionaries everywhere, and the greatest need is the uttermost. I believe that with all my heart. And yet I do have a a desire to see uh, our nation revive again. I'd like to keep sending missionaries. I'd like to keep supporting uh, ministries with the finances that are being given uh, through our American churches. I think it's vital. It's critical. Matter of fact, uh, most of the time when I'm in a missions conference, I'll talk to missionaries and and, uh, I'll I'll tell them or share my burden for our country, and, and yet it's for a greater burden, and that is for the world, because most of the men I meet at these mission conferences are coming from American churches. And I talk to these missionaries, and I said, by the way, where's all your support coming from? And they tell me almost all of their support are coming from churches here in the United States. And so if we're not strong, if our churches aren't strong and vibrant and, and walking with the Lord and filled with God's spirit and, and soul winning. And, and as you, you look here at the unity and growth and e- eternity, the soul winning, the word of God, the fellowship, the prayer, that needs to be strong in our churches so that we can blossom. So our text here, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, I want us to look first of all at the men who are sent. The men who are sent, Paul and Silvanus, that's Silas, and Timotheus, of course, Timothy. You know, God is still looking for spirit-filled, surrendered men and women and families that will yield themselves to God's work to go wherever God needs them to go at whatever season of life they happen to be in. Uh, When I first entertained the thought of being a, a church planter, I was the ripe old age of 32, And I had a pastor I'd worked with for several years on his staff. And when I shared with him the burden that God had put on my heart to go plant a church at 32, he told me, I'm just too old. And uh, he said, listen, you've got a a big family. You've got six children at that point. Uh, You're just too old. Uh, It's it's a young man's game. That's something for a guy right out of Bible college, but, but, but not for a man like yourself. And I'm not saying it was easy. Uh, I'm not saying here going to an area not knowing anybody with a large family and then having, you know, family needs and so on. Uh, God still is able to provide for old guys uh, that have big families. And whatever season of life you happen to be, the blessing is that God can supply. I wonder what he thought when at 54 we said, let's do it again, you know. Uh, and uh, and uh, God led us down to, to Simi Valley. The men who are sent, uh, spirit-filled and surrendered. You know, when you get close to the Lord and your heart is in tune with what God wants you to do, I tell you what, we're going to have all the labors we need to do the job that God wants us to do. 
I had a wonderful conversation with my son here. It's his 19th birthday. He's in his first couple weeks of Bible college. And uh, with tears, he uh, told me this morning, he said, Dad, I just want you to know, uh, I believe God called me to preach last week. And uh, I'm so excited. He's uh, my youngest child of seven, five boys, two girls. And uh, just to hear from his heart uh, the, the reality that he believed God is calling him to the harvest. And, and it's his heart's desire just to surrender. You know, when you're walking with the Lord and you're in tune with the Holy Spirit of God and you have that spirit to surrender, you're the candidate that God is looking for. So we see these men that God's going to use in seeing this church planted. Number two, the miracle of birth. Every time a church is started, it's a miracle. You know, we had uh, the first several children we had in the Bay Area, and uh, I was on a church staff, wasn't making much money, didn't have insurance, and so we heard about a midwife that was delivering some of the babies of some of the staff. And I thought, that's an interesting concept. I'm broke. I have no money. Uh, she's a lot cheaper than the, ho- the hospital would be. So my oldest son, Joshua, was born uh, on Lafayette Avenue uh, in uh, Santa Clara, California. Uh, my second son was born in the apartment just two doors down. We had to go from a one-bedroom to two-bedroom. Uh, Micaiah, who was here, was born at home. I forget which house it was. Uh, and, uh, and I think the first four, Daniel, was born at home as well. Listen, can I tell you that a birth is a, is a miraculous thing. It's a miracle. Uh, when my, my second son, Caleb, was born, there was a little difficulty, and he had, the, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck, and, and uh, boy, my, my wife was just, you know, thrilled that finally Caleb was delivered, and here the midwife and her assistant and myself uh, were just pale and praying because Caleb wasn't breathing. And it, it, it seemed like, uh, you know, it just dragged on and on and on before finally he took that first little breath. I know it was three minutes, almost four minutes, and, and boy, you're rubbing his feet, and, and uh, you know, you're wanting to give him his first spanking. What, a, what, a, what an entrance into the world, right? But, but, but God, just as we were praying, just allowed him to grab that first breath of air, and, and, and you just go, it's a miracle. Birth is a miracle. And every time a church is planted, can I tell you something? It's a miracle of God. And that's what missions money does. It doesn't matter if it's here at home. It doesn't matter if it's in Ethiopia. It doesn't matter uh, what country in the world. It's a miracle. Uh, A local New Testament church is just God sending someone to preach the gospel so folks get saved and then they get baptized and then they get discipled and they are gathered together as that local ecclesia, that local assembly, that called out assembly. It's a miracle of God and you get to be a part of it through your missions giving. You get to be a part of it as you send out uh, your laborers. Brother Paul Chow just saw your son this week up uh, at Lancaster here, had lunch together, sat at the same table, and uh, just excited about what God's doing in building uh, his church. Listen, that is a miraculous thing. And we get to be a part of those miracles as we invest and also have that spirit of surrender. Uh, just having an ear tuned to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows who he's working on. 
to launch out as laborers into the harvest field. Well, God led us to CB Valley, as your pastor mentioned. Some of you might have gone to visit the Reagan Presidential Library. That's the community. Uh, for many years, I drove through that community wondering, is there uh, a gospel witness? And there is a, a good, thankfully, a good church there in town. And uh, love the pastor and love the congregation. And yet, as we were looking over the area, it became obvious to us that there are many, many communities close by that do not have churches. Matter of fact, uh, this uh, next slide here is uh, the population of, uh, of Simi Valley. Um, the total population of eight cities within eight miles is half a million. And I know for you, it's like, you know, we can go out a couple blocks and it's almost half a million uh, where you are. But uh, there's a lot of souls that need the Lord. Um, I have a little graph here. We've identified 32 different communities. The, the red stars are where there are independent uh, fundamental Baptist churches. And yet look at all those communities around us that, that uh, are in desperate need. Fifteen miles out from Simi Valley, we've got a circle of two million people. And so many communities there are without a gospel preaching witness. And it's our heart desire as a church, now that we're becoming established, uh, now that we're off of missionary support, and uh, we're just desiring now to uh, be a ascending church. We're desiring to give of our resources to see missionaries sent, uh, both to the foreign field and uh, around our, our needy uh, state of uh, California. But uh, pray for us as we want to become uh, a local church that is heavily involved in missions from actually sending laborers to also sending money. You know... Sending money is a wonderful thing, but can I tell you something? God knows where to get money. He really does. When he gets our heart, he's got all the money he needs. All right, so money's never the issue, but men, that's the issue. It's labors. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, what? That we would give more? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. And it's local churches like this that God's going to raise up labors to meet the need. Uh, Two million people in that 15-mile radius circle. The next slide shows a little bit here of uh, uh, really what that means. Uh, There are 15 states in in the United States with a population of less than two million. Okay, now that's, that's pretty astounding to me. I can go to any one of these states and there'll be less people than within 15 miles of where I live. And, and so there is a need. Uh, and, and God is touching the hearts of local churches to recognize that we want to be involved in both. I want to be involved in my Jerusalem Saturday out soul winning. I want to be involved in my Judea, seeing churches planted throughout the Los Angeles area and my Samaria throughout the nation and the uttermost. Just letting God use us in that capacity. All right, uh, the balance of ratio. We mentioned here that there's one independent Baptist church for 100 and every 134,000 people in California. And uh, in order for us to reach just the average of the state, we need eight new churches in that circle tomorrow. And so pray for us. Just, just to come up to the California average, we need some eight churches. And uh, uh, is, uh, the next slide here is um, that, w- that would be eight miles 15 miles out, we need 73 churches. All right. 
uh, just, I'm sorry, that's the average for uh, how many independent Baptist churches we have across America. Uh, it's been a little while since I've been on a deputation uh, church planting, and some of these uh, figures are, are, are distant memories, but uh, they are, uh, it, it shows us the great need right around the corner, all right? Number three, let's look at the movement of the church. I love verse number three of 1 Thessalonians chapter number one. The Bible says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. You know, the church here was active. The church was on the go. The church was moving forward. And uh, we have to recognize that if we're going to be a part of a missions-minded church, it's going to take some activity on our part. It's going to take our our commitment and giving, but it's also going to take just a personal involvement. I don't, I don't know what God has for your children or for your grandchildren or what his will might be as far as uh, God's will for their life. But I tell you what, uh, if you have that spirit of surrender to just say, what can I do at Bible Baptist Church? What, what can the Lord use me to accomplish here for his glory? And just, just carry around with you that sweet, submissive, servant-like spirit. I tell you, it's a contagious. It's contagious. And, and your, your children will pick up on it. Your teenagers will pick up on it. And who knows what God's going to do in raising up some future leaders for the glory of God. But it's going to take some movement on our part. part. There was some work and there was some labor uh, involved in this church plant. When we started in Simi Valley, we had some workers that came down, first of all, from the college to help us. And boy, we thank God for those that would come down on a van and help us just knock on some doors. And we have about 42,000 doors in our community. And our, our, our desire was to go through uh, that entire city twice in those three months prior to our first Sunday. And God allowed us to do that uh, through the help of other churches. And, and thank you for participating when there's other churches that are seeking to get started. It means so much to those pastors to have somebody come along and encourage them. All right, so there's movement. There's activity. There is work. There is labor. But let me add this. Notice next the motive. The motive. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 2 for just a moment. And I want you to see a comparison between a brand new church, this baby church of Thessalonica, and an established church. This is an older church, uh, probably about uh, between 30 and 40 years of age. Uh, it's the church in Ephesus. Uh, they're, uh, they've been around the block a while. Uh, I mean, they, they, they know how to have a right stand and position. That's obvious from the commendation here uh, as we read it in verse number 3. Uh, and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. This is wonderful. Verse 2, the middle of the verse, talks here about how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. So doctrinally it's a pure church. They're on course. They know what they believe. And, and, and the Bible commends them for also their work and their labor. Do you see that? Verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And, and you and I would look at that and say, well, that's awesome. 
yeah, they're working and they're laboring and they're patience, but they've lost something. And God, the Holy Spirit, knows they've lost it, but they didn't know they lost it. What did they lose? Well, what this early on fire church plant had. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. See, what they had was not just work, but help me, it was a work of what? It was a work of faith. Can I tell you, there's a big difference between just work and a work of faith. Yes, there's action, there's, 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 there's motion in work, and that's a good thing. But without the heart motive being right, can I tell you, our Christian life will get stale real quick. Can I ask you, Sunday school teacher, is it just a work for you? Or is it truly a work of when you go uh, knocking on doors, uh, do you hope nobody comes to the door and nobody answers? You know? <laughs> You're standing there, oh man, I hope nobody, sh- nobody opens that door. It's hot out here. Yeah, you're working, you're laboring, but is it a work of faith? I mean, are you honestly, when you teach that class, are you expecting God to do something in the heart of that child? Is there an expectation here that God's going to show up? as you minister in the choir, or as, uh, as you go out to those doors, or whatever activity that you have in ministry, is it a work of faith? Ask yourself that question. If it's just a work, can I tell you, there's a lot of Christians that just are going through this motion, and they're going through the Christian life, and they've lost the passion of it, they've lost really the heart of it, And and Jesus is condemning the church at Ephesus because they did have work, but that was it. They had labor, but that was it. They had patience, but that was it. They lost really what, what God is looking for as we seek to serve him, and that's to have the proper motive. So not only a work of faith, but notice it's a labor of what? Love. What a difference that makes. Um. My wife was raised in a, in a, in a home basically of atheists. Uh, her stepdad was a UC Berkeley grad. Uh, mom went to UC Berkeley. They had no desire for the things of God. She had a, a little bit of a religious background as uh, uh, an Episcopalian, so she had my wife as a baby baptized, and so she's got her baptismal certificate, you know. Uh, and yet they, they, they don't know the Lord. They, have no, they haven't been in church in 50 years even on a Christmas, Easter, anything. That's just the home my wife grew up in. And there was a Baptist church in the neighborhood. And they would come and knock on the door. And, of course, my, my mother-in-law wanted nothing to do with those crazy Baptists, you know, a couple of blocks down the street. And, uh, and yet my, my wife had a friend in the neighborhood that went to that church. And there was a Sunday school teacher that lived a couple blocks down. And they would invite my wife, as an eight, nine-year-old, to come to Sunday school. And uh, my, my mother-in-law kept saying, no, 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 not to the Baptist church, never. No way. No how. And yet she kept asking, but my friends want me to come. They want me to visit. Mom, please let me go. Mom, let me go one time. And mom's furious, but she said, I'll let you go one time, but don't you ever ask me again. Now, that Sunday school teacher had no idea that this little girl coming from an atheist home is going to be in that Sunday school class. And I wonder if the lesson, like so many lessons are so often, 
boring and dry and maybe a look at the lesson a couple hours, you know, before you teach it that Sunday morning. And uh, there's no heart, there's no, there's no, there's labor, sure, but where's the love? Can I tell you something about that Sunday school teacher? She captivated my, my, my wife's heart as a nine-year-old in that one time in a Sunday school class. And my wife could never shake it. And uh, at 17, when she graduated from high school, she had a full-ride scholarship, not a scholarship, her parents said they'd pay for her to go to UC Berkeley. She said, but I want to go to the Baptist College. And they say, you go to Baptist College, we will not give you one dime. And, and we're going to promise you, you will not get anything ever from us financially to help with your education. But if you go to Berkeley, we'll just pay the full freight. And she said, I believe God wants me in Bible College. Not knowing she'd ever have a dime. Not even having money for an airline ticket that was given to her by a church member. She went off to Bible College. That's where I met her. Here's a, here's a young girl that was simply surrendered, but it goes back to a Sunday school teacher that had a what? Labor of what? Love. Work of what? Faith. Work of faith. That's, that, that's the motive. That's the heart. That's what makes all the difference. And then notice the last thought there in, in, in verse 3. And uh, patience of hope. You know, patience is something we can all be patient if we have to be. But that word hope is confident expectation. So my patience is just, I'm not going to keep working and keep laboring and, and just be patient in it, although I may see something or not see something, but I have this hope in my patience. I have a confident expectation as I'm waiting on the Lord. God is going to, in due time, we will reap if we faint not. And oh, what the, what the difference it makes when the motive is right. All right, number five. I want us to see now verse number six. Uh, the, the mimics of their leaders. It wasn't long before the Apostle Paul said in verse six, and ye became followers. The word there in, in Greek is mim- mimites. It, it, we get our word mimic from it. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord. They, they, they were following the leaders because the leaders were following the Lord. All right? That's what Paul said. Uh, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and, and so here in this early church, all of a sudden we have folks that are rallying around the pastor and uh, desiring here to grow and desiring here to mimic. And uh, you've got to realize, Christian, that there's somebody that's looking at you. All right? And, and, and we need to be the right kind of example here in, 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 for others, all right? So the Bible says, and he became followers. That's the mimics of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples, all right? You were in samples. Uh, so not only are they mimics, but they're also, that word basically is, you're a pattern, in the olden days, they would maybe take some wood and, and, and they would carve it and then they'd put some kind of an ink uh, over it and then they, they would use that as a pattern or as a stamp. So get the picture. So first of all, they're following, they're mimicking after, but then they became the pattern themselves. For who? For others. Others to follow. All right, and what a blessing that is as we, yes, 
move forward as a church in ministry, but keep our motives right. Keep the love. Keep the faith. Keep the hope. And then we mimic. There's an illustration of the Sandy Creek Baptist Church uh, back in 1755 that really played out here, this following the leader, mimicking the leader, and then becoming an example in that area. This church is a church plant that began in 1755 by uh, a 50-year-old preacher. Actually, he was 49 years old. He only had 16 years to live. And Shubal Stearns in those 16 years determined that I'm going to invest my life in others, train up a generation of preachers that will go out, preach God's word, and see churches multiplied. In those 16 years, it's absolutely astounding, but 42 churches sprang up. 125 preachers were called to ministry, and it reshaped this country that we call America. Uh, can uh, we just look at a little bit of this? This is 1650. Uh, this is just after the pilgrims. Basically, there's uh, you got to hit it now. Uh, I think to, to make this thing go forward a little bit. Uh, there's only two churches, uh, two Baptist churches, are both in Rhode Island. Uh, the next one, by 1750 years later, there are now 19 Baptist churches in all the colonies. 1750. Uh, this is just prior to Shubal Stearns going to Sandy Creek. There are 58 Baptist churches. By the way, you can get these stats from John T. Christian's History of the Baptist, Volume 2. That's where I found it. And uh, so 58 Baptist churches in 1750. Now, when Shubal Stearns started multiplying churches, 1786, I want you to see this, 137 churches. Virtually all of the new churches that were being started, Baptist churches, were coming out of one local church. Isn't that amazing? The Sandy Creek Baptist Church. But it didn't stop there. Now, in 1812, this multiplying effect, now there's 2,633 Baptist churches. And if you go to 1836, this is an astounding number, but 7,299 Baptist churches. This is all because of some mimicking of a local church pastor, of becoming in samples examples themselves and going out and doing what was done at Sandy Creek Baptist Church. Next slide here. There's three trade routes that all came together there in North Carolina, uh, Settlers Trail, Trading Post, and Boone Trail, and that's right where Sandy Creek was planted, and they just went after souls, and God started to bless them in a marvelous way, and as those converts came to know the Lord uh, with that sweet spirit-filled life and that surrendered heart, all of a sudden, many men were being called to preach the gospel. The next slide there, every four and a half months, that church was producing a new church. And, and you know, it wasn't the facilities. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the, the great building that they had. Uh, but they were just being uh, really a New Testament church. Uh, they uh, went into Virginia just north of Sandy Creek. And this is an astounding story. Uh, Virginia, it was against the law to be a Baptist. And, and a lot of the Baptists were jailed during this time period. But from, uh, uh, they went from 10 churches to 210 churches in just two, 22 years. And that's the separate Baptist that came up out of uh, Sandy Creek. In Georgia, one of the men... 
out of uh, Daniel Marshall, out of Sandy Creek. It was really one of the first preachers that went out, went to Georgia to start the first Baptist church. And this is astounding to me, but in 100 years from one church to 2,663 churches, multiplied. All right? They, they were the pattern. All right? They mimicked, and then they became the pattern. Now, I want to say this, that Satan also mimics the Bible pattern without the gospel truth. So when we go to groups like this next slide, the Muslims, this was USA Today and, and Reuters. This is back in 2011. But uh, it was an interesting article that talked about the growth of mosques in America. In a 10-year period, they actually doubled the amount of mosques in America, just in 10 years. Now, what if, what if we would have that kind of zeal? And, 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 uh, and say, listen, we would like to see a doubling of the impact of local churches in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, in the uttermost. Uh, the next slide uh, tells us that right now in America, and this is before all of uh, the, the, the immigration that's taken place in the last couple of years, but 2.6 Muslims in the United States, and according to Church Still Works, there's only 2.47 uh, independent fundamental Baptists in America. That's sobering to me. Uh, They're doing their job very quickly with a false gospel. We have the truth. What are we doing? What's going to keep you from coming tomorrow and being a part of the solution instead of a part of the problem? Just saying, God, use me in, in my Jerusalem to do the work that God needs for me to do, all right? Um, here's uh, how many mosques there are. It's a doubling in 10 years, but they went from, uh, one more, um, 246 mosques in California, and that's a doubling over one decade, from 120 to 240. I, I wish, preacher, we could say in the last 10 years we had 100 independent Baptist churches that sprang up in California. I can't. I can't. All right? We have, a jo- we have a job to do. All right? Uh, one more slide here. Uh, their growth rate is 100%. Ours is only 15% in our state. 100% every decade. Doubling every decade. We're only 15%. Can I tell you, your mission's dollars is going to make a difference in our country and for the world if we will simply get involved. All right? Quickly, we're closing. What's the message of the church? It's just the gospel. Look at verse number 8. From you sounded out the word of the Lord. The Bible tells us here, verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. That's the need. It's the need. No matter where we are, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost, it's the gospel. And that's the message that God's desiring for us to get out. Uh, in Fresno, California, here, we just desire to uh, just kind of be a little bit of a, a, a pattern for others to encourage them to use their gifts to launch out and start churches. So this next slide just gives a little bit of what's taken place thus far. Ambassador Baptist Church was 25 years ago, and, and right now there are five churches that have been planted directly out of that local church. I was senior pastor as we planted those first four, and then on the last one, I just resigned and went. And uh, so we became the fifth church planter out of that original church. Now, let me show what multiplying does, even in a local church context like this, 
once the heartbeat is to multiply churches, and it doesn't matter where it is, it could be uh, on the foreign field, could be here, but all of a sudden, things start to happen. Victory Baptist Church, that was a deacon that was in our church, that God touched his heart. And he came to me one day and he said, listen, pastor, uh, just kind of flip through this uh, a little bit, Brother Jerry Favor and his wife, just pastor, do you think God could use us to do this? And I just smiled and, and yes, absolutely. We were only two years old as a church and he was my right hand. And, and yet in those next two years, we did some training in the church. And uh, at four years old, we sent out our first missionary to the uh, state of Idaho. And uh, God's used them to see that church planted. The next one uh, was the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Los Banas. This also was a former deacon of mine. They had careers. He was in the Silicon Valley. Uh, he, had a, he had a good job, and yet God tugged on his heart. He was 40 years old. He went off to Bible college with his two sons. Why? Because you're not too old. There's, there's, there's no expiration date uh, to be a servant of God. God can use anybody at any age. He really can if you'll just surrender. Shubal Stern's 49 years old when he surrendered to pastor. And, and he only had 16 years, but what a glorious 16 years. Right? 42 churches uh, in that 16-year period. So uh, thank the Lord for Brother Butler there at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Now, Merced Baptist, here's a young man, Brother Doss, that God brought our way, and he was in our church family, and we sent him 30 miles up the road and uh, saw that uh, uh, church started. I, I could tell you uh, some glorious victories on that, but we prayed for that community that when the U- uh, UC... Uh, Merced campus would open. We wanted a, 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 a Baptist church, independent Baptist church to start uh, at that same time. And God miraculously did it all. And we were able to open our doors two weeks before the college opened their doors. Uh, it was just an answer to prayer. All right. Uh, the next one, Victory Baptist Church, that was in our own community, Fresno. Pastor Ricky Owens, my son, had just come in to be the new pastor. And uh, this was that transition time. And I went with Brother Owens uh, to plant that church just eight miles from where we were. Listen, I don't care if, if it's two blocks away. I really don't. I, I just want to see the gospel go forward. I just want to see people get saved. And it doesn't matter. It's not my territory. By the way, uh, it's the Lord's field, right? It's not your field. It's not my field. Uh, it's about time we stop chasing people away and saying, we got this covered, and realize that we need more workers. I come from Wisconsin. There's a lot of farmers there. No farmer turns away volunteers uh, when there's a harvest that needs to come in. They don't chase them away. They say, thank you. I need the help. Please come. Uh, How come our pastors are chasing away potential laborers from their harvest field? There are areas in California that are so void of churches because of this spirit that uh, you can plant a church, but just make sure it's 100 miles away from me. Right? That's not from God. Okay, that's not from God. Uh, so uh, I, I told my son, let the first church be right around the corner. Let, let's do that. And I'm so glad that that church is thriving today. And then Crown Point Baptist Church uh, and uh, the blessing of that. And so I think I one more picture here, and God gave me a young man to come and help us start uh, uh, Crown Point. Now, here's the, here's the multiplying effect where it gets real fun. Just kind of go with me real quick here through these. So uh, from this point at Crown Point, just keep going. I just want you to keep hitting that, all right? You're going to get, your finger's going to hurt. Victory Baptist Church has started Newtown Baptist Church, all right? And that's thriving. That's out of that sand point. And they've just now launched another church in northern Idaho. So 
there's grandbaby churches now, right? All right, because, because you're multiplying, and it's that multiplying effect. All right, Damon Koval, uh out of Lighthouse Baptist Church, this man came the first week we had meetings in Los Banos. God got a hold of his heart. His wife got saved. His kids got saved. It wasn't too long. As a deacon in that church, he surrendered to the ministry. And he's pastoring a church right now in Lathrop. What a blessing that is. Brother Doss uh, got burdened for another community, Madeira, and they a year ago planted uh, the Madeira Baptist Church out of the Merced Baptist Church. And now Victory Baptist Church, they're looking at Sanger wanting to plant a church there. You see, it just kind of multiplies as you set the example and say, listen, every church ought to be a reproducing church. It's a, it's a blessing. You know, grandkids are fun, aren't they? Some of you grandparents, they're fun. They're fun because you don't have to raise them. You, you can just enjoy them and give them back to mom and dad. I tell you, grandbaby churches are fun too. They really are. I, I had nothing to do with them. But, but you see, uh, they have that in their DNA. All right, New Testament churches reproduce themselves. And, and so it's just a part of them. It's what they are, all right? Uh, let's go on. The last thing is the memories of the church, and we close with verse number 19 of chapter 2. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know, he had some fond memories of this local congregation, didn't he? What did he say about them? He says, what is our hope, what is our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Paul used that term twice, the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica. He says, you're my crown. Kind of wondering, Revelation, if the crowns that uh, are laid down are, are not what Paul considered a crown. He said, that local church is my crown. You're my crown. You're my crown of rejoicing. I wonder for pastors as we one day finish our course, if we're going to have crowns to lay down. That's where the name came for Crown Point Baptist Church. But I tell you what, some fond memories of what God can do in changing a life.